We are, whoa. We're hot this morning. The mic is hot. We are beginning a six-week series on hope. We've been talking about the fact that we, uh, uh, being in post-Christendom exile, and Kevin did a great job of kind of summarizing the last year. And I know I woke up this morning and looked at the headlines to find that uh, protesters in Portland last night were burning Bibles on the street. If you don't think that we're living in post-Christendom exile, open your eyes. So how do we respond to these things? You know, I've been asking myself a question as I've been thinking through all the conflict and the turmoil and that, all the stuff that we're dealing with right now. And this phrase has been helping me inform my thoughts. If I really believe what I say I believe, then... If I really believe what I say I believe, that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that means, that means something. If I really believe what I say I believe, that Jesus is risen and with him I will rise, that changes the way I perceive everything around me. So I want to push in in our first week of hope and talk about what, for most of us, is a really uncomfortable subject. We're going to talk about hope in death. Now, 30 years ago, I found myself pastoring a church in a little town of about 300 people. It was the only, town, only church in this little town in the city limits there, so I was kind of the, I was kind of the community's pastor. There was a, it was an older congregation, so I did a lot of funerals. And the local funeral home was run by a gentleman named Rob Bacon. And I'll never forget Rob. He's kind of a character. I'll never forget he told me that when he and his wife were pregnant with their first child that they knew was a boy, they decided to name him family names after men on both sides. So then they decided his name was going to be Christopher Paul. And then he said, about eight months into the pregnancy, he shot up out of bed about 3 in the morning and said, honey, we can't name him Christopher Paul. And she said, why? And said, because he'd be crispy bacon. <laughs> well, Rob kind of, and I got along really well. So what happened was that whenever Rob had a death and the family had no church home, had no faith background, he would call me and ask me to do the funeral. So I did a lot of funerals. So I was in my 20s. I had never really been around death. And then all of a sudden I found myself surrounded by death, doing funerals, being with families. And I tell you what, when there's a dead body in the room, things get serious. I remember a family... A grandmother died and the family was scattered across and there's nobody local and so the family flies in and nobody in this family had any kind of faith background whatsoever. So I sat down with the family and I said, okay, uh, you know, tell me, you know, about yourselves and your family and you could just kind of tell uh, that they didn't get the whole Christian thing, the whole Jesus thing. 
And so I said, well, you know, usually in the funeral, the officiant, that would be me, says a few words. And I'm just wondering if you've got any thoughts about what you would like me to share. And they said, yeah, we've been thinking about that. And here's the thing. We would like you to say a few words, but don't preach. And I went, okay, a little song and dance? <laughs> do a comedy routine? What, what do you want me to say? He said, no, no, just say whatever you want. Just don't preach. And I can remember going, okay. And you know what I ended up doing? I ended up getting up. And I just decided to do what Jesus did. And I said, you know, I'd like to tell you a story about a man that had two sons. I had another family that I met with them. It was the strangest funeral that I've ever done. You know why? Because the person who died was really not a good person. And there wasn't a person in the family or in the funeral service that didn't have a horrible story to tell about this person. Even the family, when I'd say, hey, you know, so tell me about, tell me about your dad. And all I got was bitterness and anger. Really heinous stories about what a violent, angry, liar, cheat, no good person he was. Okay! What do you say when everybody is glad to see them go? You know, when there is a dead body in the room, things get real. I want to start in 1 Thessalonians today. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, the 13th verse. Paul is writing to the believers in Thessalonica, and he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Isn't that interesting? That when, and when he says fallen asleep, he means those who have died. Back in John, the 11th chapter, when Jesus goes to raise Lazarus from the dead, he gets word that Lazarus has died. He told his disciples, hey, we're going to go to Bethany. Why? Because our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and we're going to go wake him up. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Isn't that a different way to think about it? Had you, have you heard Kevin? Did you hear him when after Kirk's death, he continued to say, look, my son is not dead. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Death for those who are in Christ is not an end, it's a transition. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. I don't want you to grieve. But we do, don't we? I, mean, we just, I remember a family funeral uh, with, with Wendy's family and happened to be in the back and I didn't really, you know, again, I'm the married one, so I'm kind of grandfathered in, I'm standing with the family, and I found it interesting that we were, before the funeral, 
Uh, we're all standing in the back room, and the pastor's talking about uh, the loved one who passed on who was a believer, and people were laughing and telling stories, and he's talking about faith, and it was really kind of this fun, comforting time of intimacy with the family and celebrating this one who'd gone on, and it was kind of a, again, it was a good thing. It was his time to go. But then as soon as the funeral started, it was like the, the, the switch got flipped. And it was like, all right, start the dirge. Oh, no. Let's be sad now. Let us mourn. And it was one of the most depressing funerals I've ever been to in all my life. And afterwards, it was funny because, because we were talking, Wendy and her folks and I were talking about when we die. And her dad, Mr. Ed, he was like going, look, when I die, I want a black African choir and here's the songs that I want them singing and I want everybody to dance. Why? Because I don't want you to grieve as though you have no hope because I am going to be better off and I want you celebrating where I go. Isn't that awesome? So how do we grieve? Why do we grieve as those who have no hope? If we really believe what we say we believe. So the question that we've been asking on the teaching team over the last couple of years is why all the death at third church? Why all the families who've suffered the loss of loved ones? Why are little ones dying? Why are young people dying? Why, God, haven't you healed those who have been sick that we've been praying for? Why the death? Why Kurt Corver? Why Brian Jakubiak? Why, Kathy, I, I can name the names that we've lost over the last couple of years that I grieve for. Here's what I believe. Listen to me now. As Kevin said last week, if we are to influence our culture from the margins, one of the ways that I believe Third Church is being prepared by God to be an influence in our culture is to provide our culture from the margins a Christ-centered attitude about death and grief. Because, brothers and sisters, the world is scared to death to die. especially in America, where we have it so good and life is so luxurious and life is, we're, we're taught from the very beginning that life is about getting a ton of stuff for retirement and having that beautiful life that you always plan on and, and experiencing all the good things. And we are taught to fear death. We're taught to avoid death. We're taught to, to cling to life no matter the cost because that's all there is. And as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, if Jesus has not risen from the death, then you're right. 
our faith is useless. But if we really believe what we say we believe, we have something to share with our culture, with our neighbors, with our community, with those who grieve because they have no hope. And that is that Jesus is alive. And because of that, we can live. Not just in this life, but eternity. Philippians 1. I'm going to flip over to Philippians 1. So here's Paul writing about death and life. Verse 20, Philippians chapter 1. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage There's, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And there's this famous verse, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Do you hear that? To part and be with Christ, to die and transition into eternity is better by far. It's better by far. Do you believe what you say you believe? It is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Why do we not just kill ourselves then and be done with it? Because there is a purpose for which God has us here. There is work to be done. There is purpose in Christ each day of our life. So why, why does the world have no hope? Because in the world, for me to live is me. For me to live is getting to that retirement. For me to live is success in this world. For me to live is fame and fortune. For me to live is family. For me to live is wealth and toys. We doubt and fear what's on the other side of death. I was listening this week to the story of Dr. Mary C. Neal. Dr. Neal has a great story. You can find her on YouTube. She's got a book called To Heaven and Back. Dr. Neal and her husband were kayaking in Chile, and her kayak went over a waterfall and got trapped under 10 feet of water. Dr. Neal drowned. She died. It was 30 minutes under the water, and she went to heaven. After 30 minutes, they got her out of the river and began doing CPR. Now, Dr. Neal talks about her experience of being in heaven. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to share all of it. I encourage you to go listen to her uh, or read her book. Fascinating. She talked about being you know, there, and all of a sudden, she said, time and space in heaven is different. It's kind of the difference between two-dimensional dot and line on a page and a three-dimensional cube. You just don't get it. So at once, she is looking, and she was watching 
herself being pulled out of the river. She's watching them administering CPR. And at the same time, she is being welcomed into eternity by all the loved ones who'd gone before, who were so excited that she was there. And she said, look, I'm a doctor. I'm going through all the protocols to figure out, am I hallucinating? Is this a vision? It's like she's going, no, I was there. And she's getting ushered into eternity. And she said, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe the colors that are, you can't describe in human terms. And the aromas of the flowers. And everyone is so excited. And she said, you know what? I love my husband and I love my kids. But I wasn't going back. No way. My husband and my kids will be fine. And I had this peace of Christ that said, they're going to be fine. So I'm I'm staying. This is better by far. And now she gets to to the, uh, the edge. And she's looking back and she's watching them do CPR. And she gets sent back. 30 minutes. They did CPR. She woke up. They took her, flew her commercially back to the United States. She went, immediately went into ICU. And she said, here's the thing. After I woke up, multiple fractions of both legs, my body had been beaten to a pulp under the water with the current of the waterfall falling down on me. She said, once I woke up, I felt no pain. I felt nothing. I, felt, I wasn't scared. I wasn't hurting. I, was, I had no pain. I was comforted by the love of Christ. She said, the only thing I felt was shock that I had to come back. See, Paul, when he says, for me to die is gain, is better by far, he had been there. Paul had, like Dr. Neil, Paul had been taken into heaven. He experienced it. Dr. Neil had experienced it. And those who have gone on and come back say, no, you have no idea. Do we really believe what we say we believe? And not just me dying, but also in grief. And I feel like that's what God's pushing this into. How many people have watched Kirk Korver's funeral on YouTube? Millions. Who, who, what parent preaches the funeral of their own child? Kevin and Lane do. Because they have hope. Because they know that he's not dead. I watched uh, our friend Kathy Sinclair after she died completely unexpectedly. And Wendy and I were at the funeral, just right back here. And I, after the funeral, they had the, you know, the little thing in the fellowship hall. Remember when we used to actually have lunch after the funeral? We could actually gather. They, they had it in fellowship hall. And as everyone exited, I watched... Yeah. I watched as Randy stood right back there and greeted every person who came out of the funeral. He smiled at them. He embraced them. He comforted those who were mourning. He shared a moment with everybody. Why? Because he had hope. Because Randy knows where Kathy is. (laughs) 
and he can stand there and comfort those who are mourning with him because Christ has changed his attitude about death. Are we going to live as those who have hope? Do you really believe what you say you believe? 30 years ago, I was in that little town, and because it's the only church in town, I'm kind of the, com- the community's pastor, so I ended up visiting kind of everybody in town. And there was an old couple up on the hill, um, and I was told, you know, because, you know, it's a little town, right? So you get told all the stories about everybody. And everybody go, oh, yeah, they, they will never darken the door of a church. Just don't worry about them, right? But I went ahead and visited this old couple. He was a veteran of World War II and sweet people. And, yeah, I just kind of go up, and they had a beautiful view from their porch, so we would look out the window at the beautiful view, and we'd chat, and we'd have coffee, and... They, yeah, they had really no interest in talking about anything spiritual, so I just drank coffee and we chatted and, and visited with them. And then at one, one afternoon, I get a call from the hospital. I said, yes, this is a nurse I met in the ICU at the hospital, and this gentleman is asking to see you. I said, okay. And she said... I think you should come now. I said, okay. So I got in my car and I drove. It was about a 30-minute drive. And I got to the hospital. I went into the ICU and he was laying there in the bed, all wires and tubes and everything. And I looked at him and he looked at me and immediately I knew. Holy Spirit was right there. And I looked at him and I said, you know you're gonna die, don't you? Do you know where you're going after you die? Would you like me to tell you about how you can know where you're gonna go? So I shared with him about Christ and asked him if he'd like to pray and ask Jesus to come into his heart. He did. So I led him in the prayer. And he asked Jesus into his heart and tears just started flowing. And we got done praying and he reached up and he grabbed my hand and he said, my wife is in our apartment. They had moved from our little town right across the street from the, from the, the hospital. I didn't even know that. And he said, my wife is in her apartment. He's right across the street. You need to go. Tell her. Tell her what you told me. I went, okay. And he said, tell her I asked Jesus into my heart. And she needs to ask Jesus into her heart too. Tell her. I go, okay. And then he grabbed me. He goes, right now. I went, okay. So I walked across the street, knocked on the door. Said, yeah, I was just talking to your husband, and I need to tell you, this is, and I told her the story, and I said, here's what I shared with him. Would you like, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? Yes. So I prayed with her. Tears started flowing. Got done, she was just, 
She was a different person. You could just feel it in the room. Something had happened as Jesus, the risen Christ, had come into her life. That night, he died. The following morning, she died. Two days later, I was in the church with two caskets in front of me. And I watched all the people from the community walking in in mourning, because they know, right? They've known these people. They know what these people, yeah, they know. And man, it was like a spiritual three-point buzzer beater. <laughs> Let me share with you what just happened. And let me share with you where this couple is. Have hope. Oh, it's awesome. A couple of action steps. I just want to uh, throw these out there. Number one, for your introspection. For your introspection. For me to live is blank. I'd like you to think a little bit about what you say for you to live is, but what do my words, thoughts, and actions say to everyone around me? For me to live is blank. Second, for conversation. If I really believe in resurrection, how should that inform my attitude about my life, my choices, my attitude towards current events, and my attitude towards my own death? Let me say that again. If I really believe in Jesus' resurrection, how should that inform my attitude about my life, my choices, my death, and my attitude towards current events? Now, uh, we're going to have a baptism here in just a minute. So let me share. I'm, actually, you may not know this. I'm kind of a, a, a denominational journeyman. I was raised Methodist, and then I was in a Baptist church, and then I served in a Presbyterian church, and I served in a Quaker church, and they don't even believe in baptism. And uh, then I am, you know, here, then I got led to the Reformed church, served in the Reformed church. So I've kind of been everywhere. So I've seen all sorts of different things about baptism, people celebrating it all different ways. So let me, from my Baptist days, share with you that when someone is immersed in baptism, it's actually a metaphor. It's a word picture. And when our brother and sister here, are immersed under the water. That is a picture of being buried with Christ. And when they come up out of the water, it is a picture of them being raised in the likeness of his resurrection, their sins washed away, and a new beginning living in the hope of the resurrection. So as we prepare for that, I'm going to ask the, the, 
worship team to come on up. And we're going to celebrate, folks. This is the difference. Isn't that cool that we have so many young people that are living in the hope of Christ, that have made professions to follow Christ? We're going to be baptizing this uh, brother and sister while we worship. But before then, I'd like you to stand up with me. This is a uh, liturgy of resurrection as we prepare for this. You've got one line. You got one line, and this is it. Ready? Jesus is risen, and in him I rise. Let's just practice it. Jesus is risen, and in him I rise. And if you really believe it, then you're going to say it like you believe it. Here we go. If Jesus has not been raised, my preaching and my faith are useless. Jesus is risen, and with him I rise. I believe in Jesus Christ who died and on the third day was resurrected. You can do better than that. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Jesus has made me a new creation. Old things pass away and new things come. God raised us up with Christ and seated us in him, in, with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Death cannot separate me from the love of Christ. Demons cannot separate me from the love of Christ. There is no power that can separate me from the love of Christ. In the resurrected Jesus, that which is perishable has become imperishable. That which is mortal has become immortal. Death is swallowed up in victory! <laughs> Let's worship the risen Christ together.